This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Yeah, let's open our Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. I want to talk out of this story a little bit. This is some of the richest scriptures to me, Matthew chapter 16 and this part in Matthew 17. It's just so filled with revelation and it's it's some of those scriptures which you can read and read again and read again and there's always something new in it, right? Um, God is just amazing and and as we try and dig deeper into his word, he, he who knows but he wants to show you more. Do, do you understand that? He's not a God that's limited to the first layer of revelation. Isaiah 28 said it's line upon line, precept upon precept. So there's always this possibility for you. There's invitation for you to dig deeper into truth and into the mysteries and the secrets of God. Right? That's where he wants to take each and every one of us in a place where we start living out of the knowledge of God, where we live out of the ways of God. That's completely different. You know, Moses knew the ways of God. Moses was different than Israel. Israel knew the hand of the Lord, Psalm 103. Israel knew the hand of the Lord. So they loved the handouts. Right? And yet they constantly hardened their hearts towards the Lord. They, they had all the goodies, all the, the gifts, all the miracles, all the stuff going their way, which I love, by the way, all of those things, all of the above. I love them. We need them, right? But Moses knew the ways of God, and that made him different. You see, we need to discover the way of God for each and every one of our lives because there's a reality around you, there's a truth around you that we need to discover, and it's a lifelong journey about who you truly are, what he really believes about you, what he's saying about you in this moment. Last night when I was just praying about today and I was thinking, man, it's, you know, Father's Day and it's awesome, yay. And, and all of those, the answer to my prayer. Have you ever thought about that? I thought, how could that be? He said, well, I had a desire for a son. I had a desire for sons and daughters. So you are the desire. You were you, me. We are the manifestation of a cry that's in his heart. Because if it weren't for me and you, how is he going to reach the world that he so deeply loves? You see, you are the answer to a cry in his heart. Isn't that awesome? You're not here by accident. You're not a mistake. You're not a, a oops. There's destiny around who you are. And Jesus was the first one of that. Jesus was a, a first fruit of what me and you are supposed to be. John 3.16, that, that lady shared this morning. Exactly that. Jesus was a desire. Jesus fulfilled a cry in the Father's heart by laying down his life. We are doing the same when we lay down our lives. But sometimes in this process of laying down our lives, there's a couple of things that needs to happen around us so that we can actually start walking in that destiny that God has for us. Now, Matthew chapter 17 is the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. Right, I'm going to be sharing on, on this a little bit this morning and tonight. Um, let me just quickly read. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, so it might, might sound a little bit different than yours. Um, 
but it's still good, all right? So I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, Jacob and John, and hiked up a high mountain to be alone. Now, let me just pause there for a minute. Each and every one of us needs this, right? We need mountain time. We need to get to this place because God is calling everyone to a mountain. He's calling you to a higher place, to a higher dimension, whatever you want to call it. He's calling you out of the noise of the day. He's calling you into a place where you're quiet, where you're with your Father, and where you are ready to receive from God with no distractions around our life. Our world is so filled with distractions. There's so many things that's constantly pulling on your desire. Right? That's constantly working in on what God wants for you versus what the world wants for you. Right? And, and we need to get out of that place where we actually value the presence of God more than the things of the earth. And it's easy to say, but, but so often we fail in that. You know, so often we, 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 we say it easily and we sing it in songs and it's awesome. And I know it's what's in our hearts. But when the test comes... How often do we fail and fall back into just the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes? And when we say those things, we say, I'm not involved with pornography. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about what entertains you. I'm just talking about what grips us, what gets our attention over and above who He is. You see? And God is pulling us into this place. You, you, we need to separate ourselves. We need to get into that place where we are willing to be sanctified, where we are willing to let His truth wash over us and change our lives. Verse 2. Then Jesus' appearance was dramatically altered. A radiant light as bright as the sun poured from His face. And His clothing became luminescent, dazzling like lightning. He was transfigured before their very eyes. Then suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and they spoke with Jesus. Verse 4, Peter blurted out, Lord, it's so wonderful that we are all here together. If you want, I'll construct a tent, uh, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Right? Peter felt he had to do something. Do you sometimes feel like that when the presence of God comes? You feel you have to do something. It's really stupid, but we're going to try it anyway. Let's build a tent for the spirit beings that just showed up and see if they want to hang out with us for a week or so, you know. Anyway, verse 5. But while Peter was still speaking, a radiant cloud composed of light spread over them, enveloping them all, overshadowing them all. I'm going to talk about that tonight. And God's voice suddenly spoke from the cloud saying, This is my dearly loved son, the constant focus of my delight. Listen to him. The three disciples were dazed, terrified by the phenomenon. I wonder why. And they fell face down to the ground. Do you know that dazed and confused doesn't always mean it's not God? Can I just put that out there? Dazed, terrified, confused doesn't always mean it's a sign that it's not God. It Sometimes it is a sign that it is God. It's the same thing happened in Acts chapter 2. They were amazed, bewildered, astonished, astounded. Right? When God does something out of the ordinary, don't be alarmed. Don't be terrified, even if you are. It doesn't always mean it's wrong. This is the point. Not everything that scares you in life is bad. Have you noticed? The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. 
the what? The fear of the Lord. There's a place for being scared. The reverence, the worship, the awe, the wonder of God. This is what this is talking about. They were overwhelmed. It's wonder. It's amazement. It's, oh my goodness, Peter, did you see that? Jesus just lit up. Right? His face just shined brighter than the sun. That will freak you out. We have this picture of his face had a little bit of a glow on him like a pregnant lady, you know? (laughs) No, no, no. It was as bright as the sun. Now, I want you to think about this. Either the word is the truth or it's not. So they looked at him, and suddenly his face is as bright as the sun. Didn't he say, I'm the light of the world? And didn't he say that you are the light of the world as well, me and you? So this is not like a little glow (laughs) that he put on this morning. Jesus was lit up, and they were afraid. They were terrified. They were dazed by this phenomenon, and they fell face down to the ground. That's a good response. Verse 7. But Jesus walked over and touched them, saying, Get up and stop being afraid. It's always funny how he gets to do that when you really have a lot of reasons to be afraid, right? Verse 8, when they finally opened their eyes and looked around, they saw no one else there, but they saw Jesus, right? Okay, now this story is loaded, all right? So I'm going to try and and, and work through it a little bit. But I want you to get the context, just a little bit of of this moment. So chapter 16, right? Jesus sits down, just a quick highlight. Jesus sits down with his disciples and he says to them, all right, let's just quickly have a talk. All right, so who who does the people say that I am? Remember that story? And then he goes and he makes it personal. He says, all right, so who do you say that I am? Remember, Peter gets an awesome revelation. He gets the keys to the kingdom. Yay, right? Had a bright moment and then a lesser bright moment, exact, like immediately after that, right? And Jesus goes and Jesus says, listen, I'm going to die on the cross. You need to be okay with that. And Peter has his great moment after he had an amazing revelation. And he goes, I rebuke you, Jesus. In your own name, I'm going to rebuke you. You are not dying, I'm telling you. Remember that story? End of chapter 16. Then Jesus goes and he rebukes Peter, right? And he says, get behind me, Satan, right? Sweet Jesus, get behind me, Satan, For your mind is not set on the things of God, but on the things of man. Remember? All right. Then then Jesus goes into this whole thing where he says, listen, if you truly want to follow me, what do you need to do? Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Then he goes on, he says, those who've lost homes, you will lose this, you will lose that, but you will gain a whole lot more in this whole story. Remember the background. It's important. Right? Then chapter 17 comes. And Jesus gets transfigured. I want you to, that word is important. Jesus gets, he's changed, he's transformed in this moment. His appearance changes, and they see it for the first time. They realize something about him in that moment that they probably haven't seen. They, They knew it's true about him, but suddenly Jesus invites these three guys up the mountain with him, and they see what he's been doing on the mountain probably all the time that they were with them. Who says this hasn't been going on every single day that he went up on the mountain, as Mark says, Mark chapter 4. He went out early in the mornings, remember? This could have happened every day where Jesus had these encounters with his father that transformed him daily, right? Daily, 
for the task ahead of them. Okay? There's a call in the heart of God to transform every single believer into your true identity, into who you truly are as God your Father sees you. Right? Jesus in this moment, it's going to make sense in a minute, I promise. Jesus in this moment, in His earthly form, in His fleshly form, remember He looked like us, remember? Agreed? Right? He also sweated and His arms didn't smell nice and all of that stuff, right? I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but it's true, right? But that Jesus, the one that looks like us, that moved in perfection and holiness and wonders and signs and power, that Jesus gets shifted in a moment and revealed as he looks in Revelation chapter 1. Remember Revelation chapter 1? When John sees him and he says, look, your, your, his hair is as white as snow. His eyes is burning with fire. His face is as bright as the sun. Does it sound familiar? Right? So, so I, I want you to see something here, and then I'm going to bring it home to you guys. Right? So Jesus is standing. If there's a timeline. Okay, the timeline will begin on this side if you look at me. Is that right? Is this the beginning? Yes, it is. <laughs> so this is where Jesus is at right now. Right? He's standing on this mountain in Matthew chapter 17. But there's a truth about him that sits right over here on the opposite side of the cross. And it's what he looks like in Revelation chapter 1. Okay? Do you agree? This is always who he's been. Do you understand that Revelation 1 has always been the truth about Jesus? It just hasn't manifested in that moment. There are certain processes, certain things that he had to go through in life so that he can look like the victorious one that we see in Revelation chapter 1. Right? Agreed? So he's standing in this moment, and suddenly something happens to him, and he starts looking like the future him. Does it make sense? All right. Okay. My question is, how did it happen? Doesn't that concern you? Because there's a truth hanging over who you are and who I am. There's a reality, a promise over every single life in this room, a destiny, a truth that God says about us. He says, you are a son of God, right? He says, you will do the same works as I do and greater. Is it not in the Bible? He says, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, and declare that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's in the word, am I right? All of these truths, he says you are seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, verse 6 and 7, right? Colossians 3, set your eyes on the things which are above, right? So all of these promises are hanging over our lives, but yet many of us, we're still stuck in this place, and we haven't transfigured into this place. Do you agree? I want to know what did he do? How do we leap into this? Doesn't that interest you? (laughs) Because to me, that's the key. You have to understand, when Jesus did this, he just came out of this speech. Listen, you have to lay down your life. Every single one in this room has a cross before you. Everyone has a cross in this room. You have a cross that you have to pick up. You have a cross that you have to carry. You have a destiny before you that's waiting. What happened to Jesus after this mountain? There was deliverance, and what happened then? He was so focused on the cross. 
He knew his time is coming. And suddenly that price, the cost, the call, whatever you want to call it, didn't overwhelm him. Because he was transfigured. He tasted of the glory that was to come. He tasted of the promise that was ahead of him. Everyone in this room, this whole year, has been a challenge to many. Right? Who, 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 who's sometimes thought you wish 2017 would come back this year? Who had that kind of a feeling? Any, any hands? All right. We have two or three honest ones. All right. <laughs> okay. It's been a challenging year in many, in many sense. Uh, many people have experienced lots of challenges, many things we've been going through. It's, it's, it's been tough on areas because God is aligning you. God is setting you up. God is positioning you for this greater glory. That's ahead of every single one of us. Do you understand? Jesus went through so much up to this journey, but he had mountaintop experiences every day that transformed him, so, and it reminded him of who he's going to be one day. It reminded him of a future glory that's coming. It reminded him of the reality of this is your call, and, and when you do this, this is the reward. Do you understand when you see the reward, the cross becomes small? Do you hear me? When you have a picture of the reward that's waiting for you, the cross becomes smaller and smaller in your life. The price becomes less because the joy is much greater than that which you are going through. Do you understand? But so often, because we're not on the mountain enough, Because we're not in that ascended place, that place of intimacy with God enough, we struggle to see the end product. And we fall short of what He has for us. You know, we get stuck in the mud. Remember that game? We just get stuck. Because everything feels so heavy, it's so difficult, it's so hard. That is what it feels like sometimes. Oh, the price is too much, and imagine I have to give up this, and I have to give up that. And the only reason why we think like that is because we haven't seen the future reward. We haven't tasted it, right? And we have to get to that place because we're supposed to be bright, shining lights. We are supposed to be the hope of the world because the hope of the world is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? I want to ask you, in, in the seasons that we are in and the things, and maybe you're in an awesome season that I'm so glad for you and, and that's really great. But maybe you are struggling or maybe you have been struggling. I want to ask you this question. Have you been a bright and shining light in that season despite of your circumstances? Because Scripture is full of this invitation where God comes, James 1, etc., where He says, In your times of tribulation, rejoice. Thank God for what you're going through. That doesn't sound as easy. I know. I didn't make the rules, though. I didn't say it's nice. I just said it's true, right? And it's hard for us to do that unless you have these mountaintop experiences where you are transformed from the inside out. This transfiguration thing, it wasn't something that came upon him. It was something that came out of him. Do you understand? When the pressures of life come, 
what is in you is, will be exposed. Then the awesome worship moment, the music we had, all of those things, which is so powerful. I love those. Don't get me wrong. But then the, the shine of that kind of fades away. And the true reality of what you actually believe on the inside, that will be exposed in that moment. Right? And the only way we express Him well is if we are in this place and we, we, we allow the Spirit of God to transfigure us on a daily basis. You see, what Jesus was doing here, I want you to get this. Jesus stands, and like I say, everybody knows Him. They're familiar with Him. That's a problem sometimes, by the way. They're familiar with Him. And suddenly, He shows who He really is in this moment. And they are terrified, dazed, confused, on the floor. Don't know what to do with that. And in that moment, Jesus makes the statement that He makes in John 17, 16, where He says, I thank You, Father, for just like me, that they are in the world, but they're not of the world. Do you understand that we are citizens of a different world? We are citizens of a kingdom that is far superior than anything that you can see or hear on this earth. You are a spirit being that is abiding for a moment in the flesh. Do you understand that? You're more spiritual than you think. You're more spiritual that you want to allow yourself to be. And you're thinking, don't get spooky. I'm not. Listen, I'm a missionary. I live in a village. I'm, I've got my feet on the ground. But if I look into my circumstances and I get stuck on my surroundings, I'm done. There's no ways we'll survive. No ways. And you think I'm over-exaggerating. I'm not. The witchcraft, the poverty, the death, the destruction, the stuff that's going on around me there, it's intense. And if I should look in the physical, I'm done. But I understand that I'm a spiritual being that's stuck in a little skin at the moment, which I'm grateful for, by the way, and I'm looking after it, and it likes eating and drinking and watching a movie every now and again, all right? Drinking Coke, just... <laughs> All right? <laughs> I put that on record. You're recording that, right? We, we got that. We, we fixed that. All right, thank you. Right? <laughs> so, it's not about not enjoying my humanity. God loves your humanity. But you are more spiritual than you want to give yourself. And unless you allow that to manifest in your life, you're always going to live a second grade life to what He wants you to live. Because this world will dictate you. The economy will dictate you. Do you understand how load shedding is not a problem when your face shines like the sun? It's not. Right? It's not a problem at all. You see, and God wants to lift you out of that place into a place where we are enlightened. And, and don't get nervous about the word. But where we are enlightened by the truth of God. Revelation shines out of us and we actually become the hope of the world. Listen to me. If people cannot come to the church, where are they going to go? If they don't find light and truth and transform transfigured people in this place, where are they going to find hope and answers? We literally sit with the answer inside of us, which makes us the answer. But you have to heed the call to go up the mountain. You have to listen 
to the invitation of a God who says, listen, I want to show you great and wonderful things, things you have not seen, things you have not known. I want to reveal those things to you. Stop being afraid and come up the mountain. Allow me to be supernatural in your life because you need it. You need it. We need it. I need it. I don't know about you, but I'm so fed up with the way things are around me, to be honest. If God doesn't show up, then what are we doing? If He doesn't start transforming us from the inside out, and we become these bright lights for a struggling world, then what are we busy with? The word transformed is used twice in Scripture, again. Romans 12 verse 2 is the first reference. We all know the verse. Do not be conformed to this world. Can I just listen? Can I read it in this one? He says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Just let that sink in for a minute. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. What does that mean for you? What, what does that look like for you? If you think of the culture around you, if you think of the ideals, the goals that the world sets for themselves, and you think of your own life and you measure your life against Scripture or you measure it against the culture of the world, how do, you, how do we measure up? How are we doing? How transformed do you think we look if you look at your own life? And maybe you're doing well, then I'm, I'm really happy for you. Personally, I'm not satisfied. But be inwardly. What's that key? Inwardly. Inwardly. Transformed. Transfigured. Same word. It's metamorphosis. Right? Be inwardly transfigured by the renewing of your mind. This one adds something. It says, by the Holy Spirit. Through a total reformation of how you think. By the Holy Spirit, through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you. Listen listen to the beauty of this. Listen to the reward. I want you to hear the reward, right? This will empower you to discern God's will. Just, I don't even want to read further. We read the stuff and we just go over it. Listen. How many times have you gone, God, I want to know your will. How many times have you sat and said, if I can just hear from him now. How many times have you said, oh, if God could just send me a letter in the mail, then I'll know the answer. Well, this is it. This is a transfigured, transformed life. Does what? It knows the will of God. Imagine if you can wake up every day and you know the will of God. You know what God wants for you for this day now. You know what God wants for your family. How to be a good father. How to be a good husband. How to be a good wife. How to lead your business well. How to impact your friends well. Imagine you knew the will of God every day. No confusion. 
Not all these voices, one voice. Just one. Isn't that what happened at the end of Matthew 17? When the Father spoke out of the cloud, what did He say? Listen to Him. Listen to Him. This is my Son. Listen to Him. This is the transformed life. Is where your ear is tuned in to one voice. The voice of the one that loves you. The voice of the one that has the perfect, good, and acceptable will for your life in His hand. This is the reward, right? To discern God's will as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in His eyes. This transfiguration, listen, this, this call to the mountain, this, this renewal of the mind is by the Spirit of God, by the changing of your mind. And how is that going to happen? By the Word of the Lord. I want to challenge you this morning as I was praying. I'm thinking, man, I, there's a, a passion in my heart to see the Word of God becoming rich in the church again. There's a poverty of the Word in the, in the lives of many believers. It's probably not like this in this church, but I travel around quite a bit, so I talk to a lot of people. I know you guys are, probably don't have a problem with that, right? But when I speak to people, I'm amazed at how they don't know the Word. I'm amazed at how people are not filling themselves with the Word. I mean, this is the standard. This is the... This is the tool that we have. It's the Word of God, for goodness sakes. This Word has the power to transform not only you, but communities. Do you know, do you know what's brought the change? That video that you saw, which is the highlights, by the way. It's important to say that. Because if you think, it doesn't look jumping up and down every day. Sometimes it sucks. But that doesn't change to the call or the mandate on your life. You see? But you know what's changing those people's lives? The Word. This is what we've done. I have a friend who explained it so nicely. He says, truth is alive. So what you do is you give it to people and you leave it. And you see how it grows in their heart. So all you do is you give them the Word. Because they are stuck in witchcraft, they are stuck in ancestral worship, the lust, the immorality, I mean, you name it, the, the alcoholism, abuse, uh, rape, whatever, all of it is there. And, and I'm not exaggerating. All of it is there. They, they don't know where's Matthew in the Bible. I'm, I'm serious. But when we started giving them the Word, they just started reading it and something happened. They got transformed. Because they believe it. This morning when I was praying, it's like the Lord said to me, listen, buddy, if you read my word and you're not changed, you're doing it wrong. Because the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and, 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 and spirit, bone and marrow, and the thoughts and the intentions of man. The word of the Lord is living. It is active. It's living. And it is active. If you're reading it and you're not lighting up on the inside, we're doing it wrong. My words are spirit and life. What is changing us? Spirit. So if we're reading it and we're walking away with a little bit of a glow, that sounds like Moses on his mountain. 
Exodus 34, 29, Moses came down the mountain with a little bit of a glow, so he put a veil over it, and you couldn't see the glow. Jesus' face shone like the sun. No veil could cover that thing in. Because he was looking into the living word, into his Father. I only do what I see my Father do. Listen, there's a call for us to go into this place where we allow the word of God to cut us deep again. Do you know how you see the difference between the way we live, the, the kingdom of God, and the culture of the day? The only standard is the word. The only divide is the word. And we need to let the word divide us so that we can become transfigured. That you can truly become who you're supposed to be for those around you. Remember what I said, you're the answer to a cry in his heart for people around you. Think about that. You're the answer on the earth for people in your workplace, in your school, in your family. But we live a defeated life sometimes instead of a transfigured life. We need to shift into this place where, God, where we say, God, just, just transform us, renew us, give us new life, give us new energy, give us new passion, give us new purpose. Let us not live so defeated and overcome by all the things we're worried about. And I'm not saying the things you're worried about is not legal. I'm just saying God is bigger. He's bigger. And here's the scary thing. So are you. So are you. There's the scripture. I think it's Isaiah 66. It says, uh, Isaiah speaks and it speaks of God. And it says, the heavens cannot contain your glory. Remember that? The heavens cannot contain your glory. Here's the weird thing, yet he lives inside of you. So all of creation cannot hold God, yet Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that something? Maybe you're bigger than you think. Maybe we're bigger than we think. The transfigured, the true you, the the, the one that God sees in heaven, the way he looks, the Father looks at you through a certain uh, lens, and that lens is the blood of Jesus, and he looks at every life in this room, and he says, oh my goodness, I just see light, I see life, I see glory, I see power, I see joy, I see love. That's what he sees. You need to shift into that. And the only way you're going to get that is to go up the mountain and start spending time with God in his word and allow it to cut you. Allow it to change you. Be challenged by the word to change, actually. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be strange, but I feel like we, I want to park on this a little bit. But when was the last time you read Scripture and it challenged you and you actually changed? When was the last time you read it where it said, don't slander, don't speak evil about any of your brothers and sisters, James, chapter 5 and chapter 3 and chapter 4? When was the last time you read that and it caused fear in your heart because you realized, I'm doing it? When was the last time you read something like that and it gripped you and it made you go, oh my goodness, I need help. And you say, oh, but it's just a small thing. What if it's not? What if this is what's withholding you from living that transformed life that God has for you? 
Because you see, this inward transformation has a reward. I'm going to talk about it tonight. That overshadowing, that cloud, that thing is what we want. There's a level of power and grace that God wants to release upon the body of Christ. That's why we've been going through what we've been going, church. That's why we've been facing the battles. It's like God has come in this season. And he's been checking the foundations of every family, every individual, every church, every business. And he's been going, let's see how strong this thing is. Let's see if this thing is going to last. Because I want to bring my glory. I want to bring my power. I want to visit the church in South Africa. But can you handle it? This transfiguration, this transformation is critical. Because that can carry a cross. That Jesus, that one carried a cross. That one carried the sin of the world. That one healed all your sickness and all your disease. That Jesus. You have a cross, you have a call, you have a destiny in front of you. And God wants you to succeed so badly. But He's saying, listen, you need to be willing to be transformed. You need to be willing to pay the price, to put time aside, go up the mountain, heed the call of the Lord, and say, God, even if it terrifies me a little bit, I'm okay. You are the answer to His prayer. You are, but you need to become that. The beauty about transfiguration is you're already that thing. It's not a new creation, this part. This is a transfiguration. It means whatever you need for destiny is already inside of you. I want to finish with this scripture. I didn't give this one to you. Sorry. Let's jump over to Second Peter. Are you guys all right? There's a seriousness about the word. There's a seriousness about allowing the light of God to start shining out of us. Do you understand that? Maybe this is just prophetic. Maybe this is just stirring something in your heart. But we have to get to a place where we're not afraid anymore, church. We cannot be afraid anymore of God coming. We cannot be afraid anymore of, the, of change. Do you hear that? As a believer, change is constant. Change is always going to be there because there's not a moment that you're going to come and read this word because it's living and active and you're going to go, hmm, I've got that covered. And if you're reading it and you feel afterwards and, and you're thinking of five other people and that mistake is not in you, I'm sorry, but you're missing the point. Right? We, we need God. We need His grace. But here's the good news. Verse 3 of chapter 1, Second Peter. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. Isn't that awesome? You have everything you need. That's why it's a transformation, not a recreation. You're not a failure. You're not a mistake, remember? You're the answer to His cry. Everything you need is already within you. By His divine power, it's been placed there. He says, For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him. The mountain. How well do you know God? Are you a friend of God in His eyes? How close are you with God? Can you be closer? 
Can we get closer? I'm asking that. In my own heart, I'm like, man, I can get closer. I'm not doing well. I want to get closer. Knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. That was Jesus, by the way. He invited you closer. You said it's so nice. I don't, I don't know where that lady went. The price He paid was this invitation. A glorious invitation into this destiny that He has for us. As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. Did you hear that? It's beyond all price. There is no cost. There is no value that you can add to what God has for your life. Nothing. Nothing this earth offers is higher than that. Is greater than that. There is no price too big for that. Right? Nothing. You see, but when you get transformed, when you spend time in the Word, when you see the promise, and when you start lighting up because revelation comes, you get it and you go, oh my goodness, this is worth it. Right? So that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership, I want you to hear this, with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of this world. Do you see the picture? How do I escape the desires of the world? Through the divine nature. Where is it? In you. How do you get it out of you? By spending time with Him. By allowing that to grow out of you. James chapter 1, James chapter 4 says it easily. He says, uh, he says it's so simple. He says, the reason why you fight and quarrel amongst each other is because of jealousy and your own desires. So what withholds us? Our own desires. But there's a divine nature inside of you that needs to be fed, that needs to be grown through worship, the Word, the glory of the Lord, seeking His presence, spending time in His presence. So friends, I want to invite you today to say yes to that call again. To say yes to that invitation to more. Yes to that call of God to spend time with your Father, to hear His words of destiny over you, so that you can become transformed into what He sees you to be. His image over you. His vision over you. His dream for your life. Because when we allow this inward change, outward change will happen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.